Happy New Year, nerds, and welcome to the very first episode of the Nerd History Podcast, the newest addition to the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network, and a little more, I mean, I want to say homey. This is our home. It doesn't quite look like a home behind us, but I feel like it's a more cozy atmosphere than most of the podcasts on our network, and I hope we are that for you. A warm place. The Nerd History Podcast exists to do what all nerds love the most, talk about the history of their favorite fandoms until the person they're talking to is dead-eyed. <laughs> Each episode, we will spotlight one particular nerd history event from that week, and then take a deep dive into the fandom, the lore, and the nerdy facts. I'm Radio Matt. I'm the Director of Content and Resources for Love Thy Nerd, and the Station Manager for LT and Radio. And with me today, and forevermore, is my amazing bride, Daedra. Hello, I'm Daedra, and... Uh... Since I'm in charge of him, I guess I'm also in charge of content and resources, right? But, I'm not sure the math works out on that. <laughs> Today on the show, we're talking about Sherlock Holmes, a character that celebrates his 170th anniversary this week. But wow. first, today is January 1st, so let's start by taking a look at what we are celebrating uh, today. What's celebrating the anniversary today? Deidre, first up, the Men in Black. In 1990, the Men in Black premiered in comics with Men in Black number one. The short comic series was a science fiction story that featured agents who investigated and dealt with paranormal phenomenon such as aliens, demons, and monsters. So the comic book series was created and written by Lowell Cunningham, who got the idea from a friend who introduced him to the concept of the, the government's men in black who investigate UFO sightings. So this was a thing. Oh, okay that existed before the comic books. This was one of those, I remember even watching this, I wanna say early 90s, I know 1990 again, it's the same, but early 90s there was like a, you would go to the movie rental place, it wasn't Blockbuster that I went to, it was like a local home thing, but they had a whole section of like the UFO documentaries before they were on TV all the time, before History uh -huh. Channel became the UFO channel. Uh -huh. Like it was like you had to go rent these very <laughs> off brand videotapes <laughs> that, you know, guys paid for and filmed in their basement. But there was one that went through all these different government agencies, and the Men in Black was one of them. They Ooh. were specifically sent to deal with alien threats. Wow, okay. Uh, and so someone, this guy, took that idea, ran with it, made a whole comic book out of it. Uh, comic book was originally published by Air Cell Comics, which was later bought by Malibu Comics, which was then acquired by Marvel Comics. So Marvel is now the owner of the property. Marvel published a number of one-shot comics based on the movie franchise in 1997. The comic book series had a different cast of characters in the movies, uh, such as Agent X, and not X like the letter, like would follow the movie, but E-C-K-S, X, oh. who became a rogue agent after learning that the MIB sought to manipulate and reshape the world in their own image. So it's a different story. The movies was very much more comedic and kind of wholesome. Mm -hmm. It's like, hey, we just mm -hmm. want to protect the, the people that don't want to know you exist from knowing you exist. Right. And keep our planet safe. But right. MIB was a little more... Dark? Devious. <laughs> Dark, too. Uh, like, in the movies, all they deal with is aliens. But in the comic books, they deal with demons. They deal mm. with monsters. has much more like a supernatural movie feel, to, or TV show feel to it. And I think they did a little bit of that in the cartoon 
that followed the movies. Remember when they were making a cartoon after every popular movie in the mid nineties? Yeah, I feel the like mask. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> the mask and uh, Ace Ventura. They both had a comic or both had a cartoon that came well, out. Now I have to go watch the Ace Ventura cartoon. You didn't know it existed? No. They even had a crossover episode with both the mask and uh, Ace Ventura <laughs> in one episode. <laughs> That's crazy. Isn't that amazing? That's crazy. Anyway. <laughs> Next up, Quake. Quake. In 1996, Quake released on the PC. Quake is a groundbra- groundbreaking uh, dark fantasy. Oh, my gosh. Groundbreaking dark He made me read these ahead of time, and I still don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a groundbreaking dark fantasy first-person shooter game by ID Software that inspired many (laughs) retro-styled FPS games. (laughs) These are all terms that Adrian knows fluently. It features a true 3D engine, a variety of weapons and enemies, four dimensions of medieval environments, and a soundtrack by Trent Zenor. Reznor. Reznor? Are you you dyslexic? (laughs) Dyslexic? think so and nine inch nails (laughs) he's what i'm doing is i'm making sure he never makes me read again (laughs) the funny part is she'll be reading every one of these (sighs) well there are some interesting facts that are coming up but i'm not really a big pc guy when it comes to these kind of games i wasn't Uh really into them so we we've got a a person on the line right now my friend craig the gamer and he's going to explain to us just why quake is such a groundbreaking game. Craig, are you there? Yes, I am here. Thank you for welcoming me into your dojo. Deborah, terrible job reading the back of the box for the Quake PC game. Let's see if I can help you understand just a little bit better about why Quake might possibly be the greatest PC game in all of history. Quake featured brand new lighting and graphics technology, using fully 3D polygonal graphics for the first time in a first-person shooter game. Quake World, an update to Quake, revolutionized multiplayer gaming by introducing client-side prediction, which reduced lag and improved responsiveness. Quake's development was influenced by H.P. Lovecraft's works such as the Cthulhu Mythos and the Necromicon. The game's final boss, Shrub Niggeroth, was named after a Lovecraftian deity. Quake spawned a huge modding community, which created many custom maps, models, skins, weapons, and game modes. Some of the most popular mods were Team Fortress, Capture the Flag, Rocket Arena, and Quake Rally. That is why Quake might perhaps be the greatest PC game that has ever been made. And why I will be playing it now all weekend long. Thank you, Craig. I'm better than you. Uh, last time Craig and I worked together, I caught him eating my last hot pocket. Okay. Last up, <laughs> last up Kaleidoscope. In 2023, Kaleidoscope premiered on Netflix. Kaleidoscope follows a master thief and his crew as they attempt a $7 billion heist, but face betrayal, greed, and other threats along the way. The series had a unique format that allows viewers to watch the episodes in any order they want, creating different perspectives and experiences of the story. The uh, the series does have that unique structure, which it was like... Uh... 
the way I heard it was that you wanted to start with black and end with white. So that's what I did. But then every other episode in between, you could watch in any order. Whatever you want. And so free play, Bubba, Matt, and Kate were supposed to be watching them, and they were going to be watching them in all different orders. Mm -hmm. And two of them wound up watching them in the exact same order by mistake. Whoops. Uh, <laughs> Should have planned it out. But I watched a different order than those the two that they made on the show. It's very interesting just how it changes the perspective. Each episode focuses not only on a different character, but at a different point in time as they're planning the heist, long before right. the heist, way after the heist. It's very, very interesting. And then the white is the heist itself. And so you get all these bits and pieces of the story mm -hmm. and who's going to betray whom and what, you know, and then you don't actually fill in all the last gaps until you see the actual heist episode. It's very well done. A very interesting story. I don't think they could do a second season with this cast, but I think that they have uh, ample room here to make more series following that structure. Mm -hmm. Very fun. How many episodes were there? So there were... I think 11 is nine or 11 somewhere around there but okay. uh the <clears throat> i do know that there are 5040 different watch orders that you can choose it's just like sonic mix-ins you know you got like 11 flavors but you can make 80,000 different drinks when you combine them it's like the math person in me is trying to figure out if that's right <laughs> and how many be. episodes it would be to uh it's gotta be Make <laughs> Haven't you heard the number. thing about the uh, the deck of cards? How if you shuffle a deck of cards, it's likely that that is the first time it's ever been in that exact order. Because the chance of you getting the same order of 52 as someone else is like billions and billions and billions. We'll have to look that up later. <laughs> the I'm episode... doubting you. <laughs> <laughs> the episodes are titled with colors, not numbers. Uh, the scripts are also color-coded, and uh, actors receive the episode most relevant to their character first. So they got their episode first. Rosaline Elbe, who plays Judy, Leo's wife and partner in crime, set the show on fire. Literally. She accidentally burned down a set while they were filming a scene <laughs> where she had to simply light a match. <laughs> so there we go every day at lovethynerd.com slash nerd history we post an article and accompanying video spotlighting that day in nerd history with pictures descriptions nerdy facts and some commentary so make sure that you start your day with lovethynerd.com every day now it's time for a game Ooh! each week we go head to head in a game to put our nerdy nostalgia knowledge to the test we will ask each other five questions all multiple choice if we get the wrong answer we have to keep guessing again which i hate and <laughs> uh each wrong answer earns an x so the fewest x's at the end of the round wins it's like golf kind of today we're going to take a stab at some tv trivia no specific category beyond just television oh, so these questions should come from anywhere in the tv world uh, I didn't get that a coin. That does not sound good to me. Let's flip a coin here. Do you want to go heads or tails? You want to go first? Should what do you want? I brought my little decision coin. I'm, I'm, heads I'll or tails? choose heads. And it is tails. Tails, I don't know if you can see it on camera. So what does that so mean? I get to choose, and I'm going to choose. What? I go uh, first. I'm going to go first. Usually it's heads, you go first. Tales well, I look, do. We, I, you left it up to me to decide, and thus here we are. So, 
So you're <laughs> answering first. I'm answering. So you ask okay. the questions and I'll answer. This doesn't look good for me just reading these. Uh, who <laughs> played Chandler's father on Friends? Elliot Gould? Kathleen Turner? Really? Nathan Lane? Michael Douglas? Oh, man. You said really. I think it might be Kathleen Turner. Wasn't the story that his mother like had a change? Oh, his father, you mean? His father, rather, yeah. Oh gosh! <laughs> My first thought was Michael Douglas, but I we have I just think, lost so many friends <laughs> fans who are like, you don't know this. It's right. If that is right, that seems like it should be a very clear point in the story. I'm gonna guess Kathleen Turner. Oh yes. What? Kathleen oh, Turner dear. played Chandler's father, Charles Bing, in several episodes of Friends, including the one with Chandler's dad, which aired on May 10th, 2001. Whew. Okay. All right. <laughs> in Bewitched, what part of her body does Samantha twitch to practice magic? Her ears, her nose, her bottom, <laughs> her forehead. That would have been a whole different show. <laughs> It was her nose. Yeah. I mean, if you didn't know that from the original, you know that from the movie. Right. I uh, watched that movie again. That was a good too. movie. Me too. Yeah. Will Ferrell. Every episode of Seinfeld contains an image or reference to what superhero? Come on. <laughs> Spider-Man, Plastic Man, Superman, Batman. Superman. Image of Superman or this, reference to him somewhere in every episode of Seinfeld. This is unfair. <laughs> Uh, what TV series showed the first interracial kiss on American network television? I think this we is learned. not fair. Go ahead. All in the Family, Family Feud, The Cosby Show, Star Trek. So it's Star Trek. But I think we learned that it's not actually the first time it happened on American network television. It's like the most famous. It was the most watched. Mm -hmm. But even uh, William Shatner himself had another interracial kiss with uh, a woman uh, of Asian heritage like a year prior on another show. So like it, it happened before this. But anyway, <laughs> the first most well-known interracial kiss on American network television was a Star Trek episode entitled Plato's Stepchildren, shared on November 22nd, 1968, where Captain Kirk kissed Lieutenant Uhura. Uh, some stations in the uh, South U.S. originally refused to air the episode. Yeah. All right. Last one for do, me. Do, do. See if I get any X's, huh? What is the phrase on the UFO poster in Fox Mulder's office in X-Files? Trust no one. We are not alone. The truth is out there. I want to believe. The truth is out there. That was DC Talk's attempt to get in the movie soundtrack. Did you know that? No. Yeah. <laughs> they made that song hoping to get on the soundtrack for X-Files. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and they saw right through them. Okay, it's not Trust No One, but it could be any of those other three. I wasn't heavy into X-Files because it was creepy when I was a kid. Yeah, I think we tried watching we, it. Even we tried. And we were like, like, nah, like yeah. the first episode, we were like, A little no. too much. <laughs> there was a really cool crossover episode with cops 
Come on. It was so good. Oh my gosh. It was like you were you were watching an episode of Cops, but you kept running into Mulder and Scully. It was an alien thing, huh. but you, they were like it felt like a reality. Did they do the opposite too, like on X Files? I don't think. I mean, there might have been a few scenes, but I think it was mostly shot from the <laughs> running perspective into cops of cops with the cameras. Cop show. Like, what is this? Yeah, that was a really good episode. Okay, <sighs> I don't think it's We Are Not Alone. I think it's the truth is out there, or I want to believe. I. F- <sighs> I feel like it's I want to believe. I want to believe. Yeah. Famous I want to believe UFO poster from Fox Mulder's office in the X-Files continually uh, had to be replaced. His copies kept disappearing from the set. The poster on display at the Hollywood Entertainment Museum in Los Angeles is reportedly one of the (laughs) last available copies of the original set used posters. That's hilarious. Wow. All right. Well, I bet a thousand right there, Deidre. So you can't win. More like you're batting zero, right? Because you have no X's. I don't know how sports works. (laughs) (laughs) I'm winning. I have a hole in nothing. What television series was the first to air the sound of a toilet being flushed? (laughs) What the heck? What the heck? Is it Maude, the Adams Family, All in the Family, or Leave it to Beaver? I don't even know what mod is. Mod, you don't remember mod? No. Is in the I'm the gonna Girl. say the Adams family just because it was. You know. ah. X number one. Oh, there we go. Game's over. <laughs> Game Let's over. go home. <laughs> Leave it to Beaver. I, I feel like no, it wouldn't, wouldn't be that. Even Let's try mod. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> How about all in the family? <laughs> In 1971, All in the Family, starring Carol O'Connor and Gene Stapleton, became the first series to be videotaped in front of a live studio audience, as well as the first to air the sound of a toilet being flushed. How exciting. Good job, guys. Groundbreaking. Who shot JR? Was it Jenna Wade, Sue Ellen Ewing, Pamela Barnes Ewing, or Kristen Shepard? Who's JR? So you remember the episode of The Simpsons... Where Mr. Burns gets shot. Uh-huh. And it was like, who shot Mr. Burns? Uh-huh. And then we had a whole summer to try and guess who it was. Yes. Uh-huh. And then they came back season premiere the next season. And it was Smithers. And it was, it was the baby. <laughs> it's Maggie Simpson. Uh, so this, this was thing? like the original TV event that inspired that. Okay. Several years in the past. I don't remember what show it was on. Okay. It'll tell us, I'm sure, once we get there. I think it might have been Dallas. But anyway. That's Dallas. Take a guess. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sue Ellen. Nope. Uh, Pamela Barn. You, no. you would think it would have been one of them, right? If there was two Ewings. I was just. Jenna Wade. Sure. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> Matthew. Shepherd. I thought you knew <laughs> everything. <laughs> the final scene. <laughs> Oh, the 1978-80 season of Dallas. J.R. Ewing hears a noise outside his office, walks out to the corridor to look, and is shot twice by an unseen assailant. The episode, titled A House Divided, was broadcast on March 21st, 1980. The viewers would have to wait until the November episode, Who Done It?, to learn that the shooter was Christian Shepard, J.R.'s mistress, and his wife's sister. Oh. Booyah, hey booyah, yo. booyah. Okay, so I've gotten... Nine You've X's, gotten, right? No, six. Did I get one right? No. No, oh, no. no. We've only oh, had no. two. We've only had two questions. questions. Okay. Okay. 
What color was Genie's harem costume in I Dream of Genie? Was it yellow, pink, blue, or green? Blue? Dang, that wasn't my guess. I, I really blue. thought it was blue. Yeah. Pink? I don't think it's pink. Genie's really? costume was pink. Genie's sister, also named Genie, and also portrayed by Barbara Eden, wears a green costume with a skirt rather than pantaloons. Hmm. All right. Okay. In what TV show did Sheriff Andy Taylor first appear? Gomer Pyle, USMC, The Danny Thomas Show, Mayberry RFD, or The Andy Griffith Show? I'm going to go ahead and say The Andy Griffith Show. But I, it, did Sheriff Andy Taylor first appear? That's the character in the show. His name's not Andy Griffith in the show. Oh, okay. Well, let's start there. I feel like it's... Andy Griffith Show? Oh, yeah. Sure. Wrong. Yeah. Gomer Pyle? Wrong. The Danny Thomas? Wrong. <laughs> oh, right. What? I thought it was Mayberry off tea. Ha! Uh, okay. The Andy Griffith Show was actually a spinoff. Sheriff Andy Taylor first appeared on the episode on an episode of The Danny Thomas Show in which Danny is arrested by Sheriff Taylor for failing to come to a complete stop at a stop sign in the town of Mayberry. The character was wow. such a hit that Andy soon got his own show. And surpassed it because I've never even heard of the Danny Thomas. So he arrested him for failing to (laughs) (laughs) go to a complete stop. Okay. Last question, Deidre. What sort of business did George Jefferson own in the Jeffersons? Gas station, butcher shop, construction company, or dry cleaner? I don't know. (laughs) I never watched it. (laughs) Moving on up to the construction company. Nope. That deluxe apartment in the sky. Dry cleaner? By 1975, Jefferson's fledgling dry cleaning business, Jefferson Cleaners, had successfully grown into a small chain. His newfound wealth led to moving his family to a deluxe apartment in the sky in Manhattan. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten X's. That Yay! might be a record. You got I'm the best. Na- you got screwed over, I'll be honest. <laughs> you got five very difficult questions. <laughs> I would agree. <laughs> well, that does it for our game. Let's take a trip all the way back to 1854. Ooh. i just go ahead. Okay. On January 6th, 1854, Sherlock Holmes was born. The famous fictional detective created by Arthur Conan? Ar- Arthur Conan Doyle. Arthur. Oh, yeah, it says author. I'm sorry. Arthur Conan Doyle. Arthur Conan Doyle. Okay. First appeared in print in 1887 in the novel A Study in Scarlet. So for those unfamiliar with the character referring to himself as a consulting detective in the stories, Holmes is known for his proficiency with observation, deduction, forensic science, and logical reasoning that borders on the fantastic which he employs when investigating cases for a wide variety of clients, including Scotland Yard. So this show, of course, or I'm sorry, not the show, but this character has inspired so many mm-hmm. TV shows outside mm-hmm. of Sherlock Holmes yep. that we are more familiar with. Like, we really love Monk. Mm-hmm. We really love Psych. Mm-hmm. Even House would be considered this okay. kind of... I could see um, that. Uh-huh. You know, it's more medical version, but it's still a... Finding clues and sleuthing out. I, I bet on the show he's even been referred to as you're like a medical Sherlock Holmes. I'm sure Holmes. he was, yes. <laughs> Castle, The Mentalist. There's so many shows that are like I've this. I've never watched essentially, Castle. Yeah. 
Me neither. Yeah. It seemed like one of those generic CBS shows. I don't even know if it's on CBS, <laughs> but just like all CBS shows look the same to me. <laughs> but uh, Monk and Sykes specifically are ones that we're yes. very, very familiar with. I uh, just finished watching Monk. We, yeah, like, you just went through all like of all Monk of it. so we could watch the new Monk movie. Mm-hmm. The last Monk's la- Mr. Monk's Last Case. Is that what it was called? Sure. Something like know. that on Peacock. <laughs> it was all right. Yeah. Didn't blow your mind. But yeah. it was good, and yeah. it was fun to see everybody back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's this kind of style really has taken off from that. Mm-hmm. You can even see elements of that in like Doctor Who in the occasional episode mm-hmm. where they have to solve you know mysteries in weird ways. Yep. Uh, Sherlock's popularity became widespread with his first series of short stories in the Strand magazine, uh, beginning with a, a scandal in Bohemia in 1891. Additional tales appeared from uh, then until 1927, eventually totaling four novels and 56 short stories. Wow. All but one are set in Victorian or Edwardian eras uh, between about 1880 and 1914. Most mm-hmm. are narrated by the character of Holmes's friend and biographer, Dr. John H. Watson, who usually accompanies Holmes during his investigations and often shares quarters with him at the address of 22, I'm sorry, 221B Baker Street, 221B mm-hmm. Baker Street, London, <laughs> uh, where many of their stories begin. The character was so well known that in 1893, when Arthur Conan Doyle killed Holmes in the short story, The Final Problem, what? The strongly negative response from readers was unlike any previous public reaction to a fictional event. The Strand <laughs> reportedly lost more than 20,000 subscribers Holy as a cow. result of Holmes' death. Public pressure eventually contributed to Conan Doyle writing another Holmes story in 1901 and resurrecting the character in a story published in 1903. Okay. Hit me. So they resurrected him. They're like, wait, I take it back. Pretty and much. He- Sounds like Doctor Who recently. Right. <laughs> Deidre, can you read us some fun facts about Sherlock Holmes? I would love to. I love reading. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was inspired by a real-life lecturer named Dr. Joseph Bell, who could diagnose patients on site with his keen observation skills. Yeah. Yeah. He never said, elementary, my dear Watson, in the original stories. Although he did say, elementary, and... My dear Watson, separately. That's like on Star Trek, where <laughs> beam me like up, beam Scotty. me up, Scotty, yeah. never actually happened. Mm-hmm. It was always beam me up, Mister Scott, and there were times that he was called Scotty several times, but never in that order. Those words <laughs> never actually happened <laughs> in that order. Uh, Sherlock Holmes, you, uh, sorry, Sherlock Holmes does not use detective reasoning, deductive, deductive <laughs> reasoning, but abductive reasoning. <laughs> Abductive. Abductive? Okay. Abductive reasoning, yeah. Uh, Which means he infers the most likely explanation from available evidence and probability. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Sherlock Holmes' iconic curved pipe was invented by William Gillette, Mm -hmm. like the shaver. Like the shaver. Okay. An American actor who played Holmes on stage and screen more than a thousand times. That's cool. Mm Mm-hmm. He's like, I need something to hold. um, Sherlock Holmes is the most portrayed fictional character in film and television with over 250 appearances by more than 180 actors, making him the most popular human film character. 
Uh, there are also hundreds of radio drama portrayals. Yeah, he is wow. everywhere for centuries now. Uh, this is a character that does not go away. The most recent, or I guess most popular, there's been a couple more since then, but mm-hmm. the most popular portrayals in our lifetime have been Benedict Cumberbatch, which was kind of like his breakout thing. Uh, Who's that? To, to, What's, which one Doctor Strange. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. So the original BBC, the BBC yes. series that was going on at the same time you and so I started good. getting into Doctor yes. Who. Uh-huh. And I loved that show because it wasn't like an episodic television series. It was like each season was three full movies. Yeah. Like they were standalone movies. There were uh-huh. arcs that went through them, but like you were sitting down for an experience every episode. It was all, I think That's they were true. all two hours long. Like they were full fledged movies. Yeah. It was ridiculous, but really cool. Yeah. I, I remember. were over so quick. <laughs> <laughs> they were. I remember like getting real involved and they're like, oh, that's it. Right. Yeah. You barely, like, <laughs> like, we thought Doctor like, Who, <laughs> we thought Doctor Who seasons were short because it'd be like 10 to 12 episodes or whatever. And then you're yeah. done for a year, maybe a year and a half. Yeah. But Sherlock Holmes was like, all right, here's three weeks. Yeah. And we watched Enjoy. those when they came out. Right. Yeah. So we had to sit there and <laughs> but they were wait. Real good. Real intense. Yeah. Real good. Fantastic. And then we also had, and this was, those were also more. Modern. They were in modern times. Cell phones, all kinds of things. The Benedict Cumberbatch. They were. Yeah. yeah. Remember? Yes. One of the episodes had a phone lock that they had to try and figure out. Phone passcode. Uh-huh. Uh, but then we had a portrayal more in the Victorian era, which was Robert Downey Jr. Iron uh-huh. Man. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That was one I knew. <laughs> you either. Yep. You play Sherlock, you get to play uh, Marvel superhero. That's how it works. Right? Uh, right? No, Robert Downey Jr. did really good in uh-huh. two movies that were supposed to be the first two of a trilogy. Um, they were supposed to get did a third movie. Did they leave us hanging? On the they didn't leave one? us hanging, but there was another story to tell, and they <laughs> just didn't get to it. I don't think the second movie did as well. First movie was really good. Yeah. Second movie was yeah. all right. Mm-hmm. But that first movie was really, really good. Mm-hmm. Added some new... Um, mechanics to the style of like we would go into his mind and see he right. would plan out every move yeah. that he was going to do and mm-hmm. then bum, 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 it would hit him really fast mm-hmm. that was really neat uh biggest letdown of my life <laughs> what? was that when dr strange and tony stark met for the first time in infinity war uh-huh. there was no no mention. sherlock joke there should have been yeah I mean, I'm not advocating for cussing, but there should have been a no S Sherlock line somewhere between those two characters. And then once it was said, they would both give each other just a slight look and then move on and not address it anymore. And the fact that that didn't happen, and that's the only time it would work, is when they first meet. The fact that that did not happen in that movie Mm. will haunt me until our death. (laughs) Maybe it was like a deleted scene. (laughs) I hope. I hope so much. How that didn't happen, I don't Uh, understand. What is wrong with you guys over uh, at Marvel? That would have been funny. So there were actually six different mainstream portrayals of Sherlock Holmes in recent history. So we actually went to LTN and we took a poll. And we asked, which of these actors who recently played a version of Sherlock Holmes did the best? And the options were Benedict Cumberbatch, Johnny Lee Miller, Robert Downey Jr., Will Ferrell. You remember Will Ferrell did a Sherlock and Holmes with um, 
his compatriot from Talladega Nights. Really? Yeah. <laughs> like it was a movie? Yeah. <laughs> and it was... Okay. Uh, about as good okay. as you think it would be. <laughs> Henry Cavill. Um, Who's that? Superman. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Every actor, we just have to find a superhero that played. So Deidre knows. Uh, <laughs> Henry Cavill plays uh, Sherlock in the Enola Holmes movies on Netflix, which follows Sherlock's little sister. You okay. don't see him much, but he's in there occasionally. Uh, and then Ian McKellen, Magneto. Are you serious? <laughs> there, are they all superheroes? Will Ferrell, you should be a superhero by now. Poor guy. Ian McKellen, I think, is the most recent portrayal. <laughs> Uh, he played like an elderly Sherlock Holmes in a movie, which I have not seen. But anyway, okay. we got the results, and by far, Benedict Cumberbatch <laughs> blown out, blow all the other ones out of the water. Yeah. Barbara Downey Jr. is in second place uh, yeah. with a little over twenty percent of the vote, uh, but twenty-five yeah. maybe. Yeah, close to it, but uh, almost fifty percent went to Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. So wow, good job. Good job, guy. So uh, even though they might not be the most well-known fandom, the Sherlockians or the Holmesians have nearly 300 official societies. Holy cow. There's some division in the ranks as to how the term should be applied, either Sherlockians or Holmesians. Ooh, do they fight each other? (laughs) Generally speaking, American fans tend to lean Sherlockians and British fans lean Holmesians. Uh, perhaps the most prestigious Sherlock Holmes society is the Baker Street Irregulars, an invitation-only organization Ooh. that was only named for, uh, sorry, was originally named for Holmes's intelligence network of homeless children. Other clubs include the Sherlock Holmes Society of London, the Bootmakers of Toronto, the Great Herd Bisons of the Fertile Plains, and the 17 Steps of Kyrgyzstan. <laughs> Kyrgyzstan? Kyrgyzstan. Kyrgyzstan. I'm going to say that's it. There (laughs) there are also trade-specific Sherlock societies for such groups as poets, psychologists, mathematicians. Wow. In all honesty, it almost puts casual fandoms to shame. (laughs) Like, they they put so much effort and work and and prestigiousness into their fandom. Wow. And I guess that kind of seems fitting. Right. So, (laughs) if anyone's going to do it. It would be the Sherlock Holmes fans. Uh-huh. That will uh, wrap up this week's look at Sherlock Holmes. Awesome. Uh, are you a Sherlock fan? What's your favorite thing about the Sherlock franchise? Who is the best Sherlock in TV and movies, in your opinion? Uh, we want to know. Tell us at the, on the socials. <laughs> at at thy nerd. <laughs> At thy nerd. I can't do it. <laughs> At nerd history, LTN. It's been a while since you've been on a podcast. I hate this. Subscribe. <laughs> Please save me. He's making me do this. <laughs> he won't let me sleep until I record. Subscribe to the Nerd History Podcast via the Love Thy Nerd YouTube channel or on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. And find us on lovethynerd.com slash nerdhistorypod. And we also have our daily Today in Nerd History short and article that comes out every day at lovethynerd.com slash nerdhistory with photos and nerdy facts. Oh. Oh.
Did you hear that? <laughs> yes. We've just received a message <laughs> from the nerd future. Oh, my goodness. Okay. On May 1st, 2026, the next Avengers movie will be released with a recast. Okay. Nicolas Cage will be replacing a disgraced <laughs> Jonathan Majors. Nicolas Cage was asked about how he felt about the role of Kang the Conqueror, and he responded, I get to play a thousand versions of Kang. If Loki got to be an alligator, I get to be a lizard, a shark, a heat-seeking panther. I'm Tony Stark on acid playing the zither. I'm your mother. I'm your best friend. I'm Superman. There's already a million of me. I'm the perfect choice. Wow. wow. Oh, my God. The future's bright. The future of the MCU has just turned around, folks. We'll be back next week as we travel back in time to another event to celebrate in nerd history. Once again, I'm Radio Matt. And I'm Daedra. And remember, in the past, the present, and future. Jesus loves you, nerds. Cage voice. It was. You were going <laughs> a different direction. I was doing like Andy Samberg playing Nicolas Cage. I wasn't <laughs> even close to real Nicolas Cage. <laughs>